The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Praise God. We're starting a brand new series today. We're going to be talking about what I like to call maximizing the grace of prosperity. Maximizing the grace of prosperity. Of course, the first thing we need to establish is this, that prosperity is a grace. And, uh, you know, I was saying in the first service uh, that the the Greeks' uh, way of learning Uh, In comparison to the Romans, way of learning is different. Uh, When you are learning in the Greek uh, uh, school system, uh, you only graduated when you've actually managed to uh, build something uh, with the knowledge that you received in class. Uh, Whereas in the Roman uh, schooling system, uh, you only graduated or they give you a distinction, a pass mark, if you have the ability to regurgitate what was given to you in the class. So, you know, commonly uh, where we are uh, uh, today, 2021, most of our universities are are, a Roman, you know, way of learning. Because you get into class, they give you information. Whoever has the ability to cram that information and bring it back in an exam gets a distinction, you know, regardless of whether they're, you know, able to use that information to produce something meaningful. Whoever Whoever has the biggest parrot... Uh, guess the distinction, right? If you can say it back to them, they're going to give you a pass, you know, give you a distinction. Uh, but, you know, when you look at it from a biblical perspective, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we're going to be reading scriptures you've heard before. Some of you can parrot them. You know, you can say it back to me. Some of you, you won't even need the Bible to quote some of these verses. Uh, but I want to encourage you to, uh, 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 you know, pay close attention to those verses. You know, take one more look uh, to those verses as we uh, uh, go through this journey. And allow the Holy Spirit to reveal some things to you that are going to help you to start maximizing uh, on this grace of prosperity. Amen. Uh, prosperity is a grace that has been released uh, in the earth realm uh, by God. And uh, I believe we are in one of the last days wealth transfer. I believe that we've already uh, uh, started that uh, wealth transfer of the last days. I believe we are right in the middle of it. And I believe those that have eyes to see, those that have a heart that's positioned to receive, are going to look different when we come out of all of this. Amen? And so uh, I believe that this series is going to bless you. It's going to be a blessing to you. It's going to change your life. Uh, It's going to minister to you. And I really encourage you to take a closer look at some of those verses that you kind of want to, you know, uh, brush uh, over because you've heard them. You know, you've heard it preached before. uh, But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to share something uh, that's going to spark something in your life uh, to produce results. Amen. Amen. 
Genesis chapter number 1, uh, from verse 26 to 28 in the Message Bible. Uh, this is what it says. It says, God spoke and said, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself, and every animal that moves on the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. And so we see here now, the very first thing God did after he created them, male and female, is that he blessed them. He says, God blessed them. And, and it's not different from when you got born again. You know, you were created anew, afresh. If any man is in Christ, is a new creature, a new creation. Uh, it's not different from what happened when you became a new creature. God blessed you. Amen? So you are not something some person, cursed person, going somewhere to try and attain the blessing. You already start with the blessing. Amen? Uh, Galatians 3.13 uh, talks about our born-again experience this way. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. So God has already blessed you. Amen? Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has, has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Amen? And so what is the blessing? The blessing is God's supernatural power, His empowerment that causes you to prosper, watch this now, in the thing that God has called you to. So God is not just going to cause you to prosper in whatever you can come up with. God will cause you to prosper in the thing that he has called you to. Can I get an amen? amen. And so we see here that God blessed them. And for Adam and Eve, uh, their assignment was to be uh, fruitful, to multiply. Their assignment was to keep uh, and dress the Garden of Eden. And God had put the blessing on them for them to be able to do that, watch this now, successfully. Amen. And so we see here that while God was pronouncing this blessing, uh, He spoke some things over them. Because the blessing is always pronounced through words. So God spoke some things uh, uh, over them. And if you're reading like me in the Message Bible, it says God blessed them. And then he puts a semicolon there. Can you see that? And then he puts open inverted commas. Did you see that? He says God blessed them. Puts a semicolon, open inverted commas. Now, if you've done any kind of literature, you would know this, that, you know, open and closed inverted commas are used uh, to uh, specifically quote someone word for word. Right? Right? So, you know, he's not paraphrasing. He's showing us word for word what God said over uh, Adam. And so this is the very first thing God said uh, to Adam. God blessed them, semicolon, open inverted commas. The very first thing God said to Adam was prosper. Did you see that? I mean, God could have said struggle. He could have said hang in there. He could have said, you know what? Life, uh, you just dealt cards, and you have to learn how to play the cards that life deals you. God didn't say any of that. What did God say? Prosper. Did you see that? God said the very first thing mankind ever heard from the mouth of God was prosper. I mean, out of the entire vocabulary and wisdom of heaven, 
God found it worthy that the very first thing his children should hear from his mouth was prosper. Out of the entire vocabulary of heaven. So I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that prosperity is not something that some comfort-hungry preacher in Texas came up with. Prosperity is a God idea. And I'm not naive to think that prosperity is, not lim- is just limited to uh, finances. Prosperity covers the entire spectrum of life. So we have this word here, prosperity, which unfortunately has become a, 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 a curse word uh, for some in the church because of abuses. And um, they're just throwing away the baby with the dirty bath water. But anyway, God, when he says prosper... He wants you to prosper physically. He wants you to prosper spiritually. That's why he sent Jesus, right? And here's the big one. He also wants you to prosper financially. Well, at the beginning of this series, (laughs) I usually just get one amen. Uh, Right at the end, it gets to about 10, okay? Uh, God wants you to prosper financially. Amen. And so it says here, uh, when God began to pronounce the blessing, the first thing he said was what? Prosper. The second thing he said was reproduce. And, and I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that the word reproduce there is not just limited to procreation. When God says uh, reproduce, uh, he, you know, I mean, it, it didn't take me long to figure out that God could have planted the entire universe. But in his wisdom, he decided he was just going to plant a garden. And uh, he gave uh, the garden to Adam and Eve as a sample, as a prototype. And he said to them, now you take it and make it international. God knew that what had started as a garden in Genesis would end as a high-tech city in Revelations with 12 foundations all of them made out of precious stone, and God had already put the creativity, the ingenuity, the knowledge, the wisdom in Adam and Eve that they needed to move it from a garden to a high-tech city that it ends. Just like in your life, when God gives you an idea, it always starts as a garden. It would have been awesome if God would start it as a big, firm, you know, Fortune 500 business. No, it always gonna, it's always going to start as a small business. It's always going to start as a small ministry. But here's the truth, is that God has already put the potential on the inside of you to move it from just a small business to an international conglomerate. Now, you need the eyes to be able to see that potential in the seed form ideas. That's what I like to call them. God gives us seed form ideas, and the grace of prosperity, you maximize it when you have the ability to see greatness in small things. This is why he says in Zechariah, or if you're from Zimbabwe, Zachariah. <laughs> Chapter number 4, verse 10 or 310. He says, do not despise the days of what? Small beginnings. You know why? Because everything with God is always going to start small. Now, if you don't like small, you may as well forget the big. Everything with God is always going to start small. And you shouldn't despise the days of small beginnings. And so he says prosper. He says reproduce, fill the earth, uh, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. God's plan for his children is prosperity. God wants his kids to prosper. 
Can I get an amen? amen. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I want to read this one in the NIV, if you don't mind. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And so God says, I know the plan that I have for you, and this plan is not to harm you. This plan is to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Did you see that? That's Jeremiah 29, 11. Third John 1, uh, verse 2, for those of you who say, well, is there anything similar in the New Testament? Third John 1, verse 2, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So we see everywhere throughout Scripture that prosperity is a God thing. Prosperity is a God idea. Now, one of the things you're going to have to wrestle with, uh, particularly us, because, you know, uh, we start off, you know, a, a little behind all the other people in the world, I'd like to believe, because we're in Africa, you know, we would rather stick with our hide skins, you know, that's our tradition, right? Gucci, you keep it, you know, we, we, after all, we keep, stick to our tradition. We, I mean, we're humble people, right? We just like to keep it to ourselves, and, you know, we, we don't really like stuff. So we, we kind of start uh, 10 steps behind everybody else, because we have to kind of get used to God uh, uh, showering us with all these nice things. Without us fighting it back. When God wants to bless you, I mean, it's considered humility in Africa to say, oh, no. You know, people visit you. They know they're hungry. They know they want food. You say, hey, we're going to serve you some food. Oh, no, we, no, no, we, no, no. Man, I'm hungry. I want, give me some food. <laughs> Amen. If I did that, man, it would be considered, well, they're too forward, right? But I was hungry. I want some food. You know, and it's false humility. And I believe because of that and because it's a part of our culture, I mean, we start a, a few steps behind everybody else. But let me tell you, child of God, prosperity is for you. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to prosper financially. He wants you to prosper physically in your health, in your body. And he wants you to prosper uh, spiritually. Psalms 35 verse 27. Psalms 35, verse 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. You know, the ones that favor God's righteous cause are the ones who partner with his righteous cause in the earth, which is to preach the gospel, right? He says, uh, Let them that favor my righteous cause, yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the poverty of his servant which has pleasure in the suffering of his servant. He didn't say that. He says God has pleasure in the one, in the prosperity. Listen, it doesn't bless God when your phone rings and you just kind of put it on silent. Because there's people who are calling, looking for money. It doesn't glorify God. It doesn't give God praise, right? And so God finds pleasure in the what? In the prosperity of his servants. And so, you know, for many, many years, this message uh, has been taught. 
and, uh, and I believe we, we, we needed to hear it, but in some circles in the body of Christ, it's been taken to the wrong extreme. So there's a spirit called the spirit of mammon. Now, mammon is a dangerous spirit. It's a sneaky spirit, and it hits right through the, the, the pews and the pulpits. Our mammon is a spirit that does not discriminate. It wants to uh, occupy everyone's heart so that it's just about stuff. And it will corrupt people that way. And particularly in the pulpit, mammon is, uh, 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 you know, uh, 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 you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mammon is affected or it has uh, stopped pastors from doing their work the way that, that God has called them to do their work. So the first and obvious way, one, which mammon corrupts the heart of the pastor, is that it just comes and it tells you, teach about money so that you can amass wealth for yourself. Now, that one is obvious, and most people have the ability, you know, spiritual ability to shun that and just walk away, right? And the less obvious one, but it's the same spirit, is the one that says, you know what? Completely avoid talking about finances so that people can like you. It's still mammon, and people are still getting corrupted by finances, you know, someone once asked me, we were doing this series many years ago, and someone asked me, I said, why do we have to teach about finances in the church? Well, first of all, uh, finances are the number one reason why people are messed up. You know, you ask uh, people why uh, their marriage didn't work out, probably the number one reason is going to be finances. They say it's the number one reason why people, you know, are in uh, uh, a divorce court. Amen? I said Amen. And finances, man, people don't know what money is for. There was a website many years ago. When was that? Ten years ago? 2011? There was a website in Canada uh, called Ashley Madison. I don't know if it still exists. It was a big story in, in South Africa. There was a, a website in Canada called Ashley Madison. It was a website where married people cheat on their spouses with other married people. And you spend money on it. And then, you know, through following the uh, ISP number, you know, the internet uh, protocol number, uh, through following that, they found out that one company in our country had spent about 20 million rand on that website. Evidently, Pastor T should be teaching about finances in the church. Do you know how much we could do with 20 million rand? Do you know how many Bibles we can print with 20 million rand? Evidently, people don't know what money is for. And that's why we should teach about finances. Amen? And so, we know that God wants us to prosper, but the reason He wants us to prosper has not been shared. You should always start with the why. And so, the question we're going to attempt to answer is, what is prosperity for? What is the why? Why does God want us to prosper? Simon Sinek wrote a book. Uh, called Start With The Why. I think it's a great book. I like it. And we always share with our leaders here. We tell them, hey, before you give an instruction, before you uh, delegate, always start with the why. Because when people get the why, it's easier to do the job. Amen? And so in, in, in a, a teaching about prosperity, uh, the, the purpose of prosperity has been lost. And because of that, there's been plenty of abuse in the body of Christ where people are believing God for prosperity just so that they can you know, consume upon themselves. 
People have been believing God. about This is why, you know, when it's the wrong kind of prosperity, man, it, it positions your heart and you become vulnerable. You become vulnerable to all kinds of uh, gimmicks, whether in the pulpit or outside of the pulpit. The reason why people in the church have this mindset of, you know, offering is like a slot machine type thing, you know. The ground is ready right now. If you bring 5,000 rand right now, the ground is ready. If you bring 5,000 rand, it's going to become 50,000 rand. The reason why people are gullible enough to respond to those kind of things is because they already have the wrong motive on the inside of them. So we're not talking about a slot machine type of operation here. We're talking about uh, shifting your thinking so that you can move into a new lifestyle. What we're talking about is not, you know, you bring in an offering, you yank God machine and all the coins come out. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a new way of life that positions you to maximize on the grace of prosperity. It's a way of life. Can I get an amen? amen. And so let's go now to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 8. This is going to help you. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 8. In the King James, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward who? You. That you always having. So there's a thing in the Bible called you always having. Did you see that? There's a thing in the Bible called you always having all sufficiency in all things so that you may abound unto every good work. Amen. Now, that's the King James way of talking. If you read it in English, in the New Living Translation, this is what it says. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 in the NLT. It says, and God will generously provide all you need. Did you read that? And who? Who? Notice it didn't say, and your job. Amen. It didn't say, and your business. God may do it through your job. He may do it through your business. But don't get to a point where you start worshiping your job and your business because you've forgotten who the real source is. Yeah. Man, this blesses me so much that it's God who is doing the providing generously for everything that I need. You know what this means? This means... If I lose my business and I still have God, I'm still good. You know why? Because I still have the goose that lays the golden egg. Amen? I may lose my job. I'm not going to, you know, uh, 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 get depressed about it if I still have God. Because it is God who will generously provide all that I need. Watch what he says after that. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's the Bible definition of prosperity. It's you having everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. Notice he carefully puts the word plenty on the sharing with others side of the ledger. 
And I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that you are not prosperous until you start having plenty left over to share with others. Because the true Bible definition of prosperity is not how much you possess. It is how much you give. You see, in the world, they look at your car to see if you're prosperous. They look at your house to see if you're prosperous. Over here in the kingdom of God, we look at the plenty. Where is the plenty? Is it on your side of the ledger consumption or is it on the blessing other side of the ledger? This is ultimately the goal, the biblical goal of prosperity. God wants you to prosper so that you can have how much? Plenty left over to share with others. And for the section of the church, you know, that still don't believe God wants you to prosper. They just, you know, uh, are happy with poverty. It usually comes from people, you know, who are not doing bad themselves, but they want somebody else to go through it. They're the ones that say, well, you can learn something from poverty. The ones in poverty will tell you, man, I'm not learning nothing from this. You know, I've been there, I've done that, and I, I, I didn't even get a t-shirt for it. You know, I've been poor. It wasn't nice. Grew up in a three-room house, sleeping under the kitchen table. Seven-year-old struggling with uh, backache. What does a seven-year-old have to do with backaches? Seven. Walking around like this. Because of poverty. Because poverty is not a blessing. Before you go to a place, you have to wake up the whole neighborhood to give you a push start just so you can get the car to start. It wasn't a blessing. When you get to where you're going, you have to park it on a downward slope so that when it's time to go home, man, you put that thing in two, you get yourself automatic push start. You just... (laughs) Choose that, yeah. (laughs) Man, it wasn't a blessing. You have to wake up three hours before school uh, uh, so you can light a fire to warm the water to buy to. It was, a, it was an inconvenience. Couldn't help myself. Couldn't be comfortable with myself, let alone trying to help somebody else. And so poverty robs you of the blessing of, you know, allowing God to take care of you. And it also robs you of the blessing of being a blessing to somebody else. When people show up to you with problems, you won't be able to solve them, especially if it's monetary problems. You know why? Because I mean, I need help myself. What are you talking about? Amen? Amen? And so for the section of the church that like to sprinkle, you know, a glory around poverty, poverty is not glorious. It is not a blessing. Amen? And this is why God wants us to prosper. It is so that we can have plenty. Someone say plenty. God wants us to prosper so that we can have plenty left over to share with others. So if you're writing down notes, write this down. The ultimate purpose of prosperity is to be a blessing to others. The ultimate purpose of prosperity is not to buy uh, the latest gadget. When the one that you already have, it it works. You see, the world wants to position you for materialism. And when you are positioned over here for materialism, you become gullible to all kinds of things. Not just in the pulpit. We talked about, you know, when uh, pastors are manipulating people. and, And you can also become gullible to some things in the world. 
I cannot tell you how many times in a month I get approached uh, by people who have some miraculous product that they want me to sell that's going to get me high up on some hierarchy. And as I go high up on that pyramid, I start to earn more. I cannot tell you how many people uh, approach me with those ideas. You know, because I have some sort of uh, uh, influence over a group of people, man, I get people come to me by the drawers on Facebook. They say, man, I have a business idea for you. This business idea has been making me thousands, and I want you to make the Man, I'm sitting there thinking, how come I don't get this message from Bill Gates? <laughs> Someone that I know is making real money with Microsoft. How come I don't get it from uh, Jeff Bezos, right? Like someone I know, Amazon. How come Jeff Bezos didn't send me a message and say, hey, I'm starting this Amazon, and I would like for you to be a part of it. How come I just get it from? (laughs) Man, that's the first thing I think of, right? I'm like, man, really? You want me to buy into this? And the reason why I'm less gullible, I'm not saying I'm completely, uh, uh, can't be tripped up, but the reason why I'm less gullible is because, hey, I've realized that all we're trying to do is to allow God to prosper us so that we can be a blessing to somebody else. It is not because I'm trying to get the next new gadget. Amen? You know, in fact, anything that tells you that you're going to be above any other human being on some pyramid, man, you should run away from it. Because God never created you to dominate other human beings. He said the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every creeping thing that creeps on the air. He never said for you to have dominion over other human beings. And so we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 9, that the ultimate destination of prosperity is to be a blessing. The ultimate goal of prosperity is to what? Is to be a blessing. If you are not here yet, you're not prosperous. And if you want to get here, you have to change your thinking right where you are today. How do you handle your finances? Is it all about self, consumption? If it is, let me tell you, consumption is limited. I was sharing a story uh, earlier on in the first service that my wife and I, the first time we ever went to the States, we went to get lunch at this place called uh, Boston Market. And as we were buying uh, lunch there, we ordered drinks. So I ordered a large uh, uh, soda. That's what they call it, you know, a cool drink for us, right? I ordered a large cool drink, and uh, my wife ordered medium, and they gave us two empty cups. So I'm looking at this cup, man. I know I believe in the power of imagination, but (laughs) there's nothing in here, right? And then the man went on to say, oh, no, the fountains are at the back. You go pour as much soda as you want at the back. And so it dawned on me that this was a bottomless uh, type, you know, deal, right? And I'm walking to the back. They're thinking, man, I shouldn't have bought a large. (laughs) If it's bottomless, right, I shouldn't have bought a large. I could have bought a small and just make plenty trips. 
But then when I, when I got to the fountain, you know, I really thought in my mind, because I was still thirsty, I, 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 was, I was, you know, I, I mean, I, I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to go for five of these large ones. <laughs> By about half of the first one, man, I was done. You know why? Like we always say, consumption is limited. I don't care who you are, as long as you're focusing on self, you're going to limit what comes to you because self can only consume so much. You can only drive one car at a time. I don't care who you are. You can only sleep in one bedroom at a time. It doesn't matter who you are. Consumption is limited. And so we have this grace of God, which is like that fountain, right? And believers are swarming this, this fountain, but they swarm it. Some of them are limited in what they receive from this fountain because they swarm it with the mindset of, I just want to take care of my mortgage bill. I just want to take care of my uh, monthly Vodacom bill. I just want to take care of my car bill. And if I can take care of those three, man, I'm good, Lord. I don't want any from your fountain. So God hasn't been the one who's been limiting us the kind of prosperity that comes to us is in our own hearts. We've been positioned to think of self. And because of that, consumption is limited. Once the tap, you know, uh, 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 releases the mortgage, the, the, the Vodacom bill, the, the MTN bill, the, uh, whatever else you need, uh, the, the, tap, the tap is still loaded, but, it, you know, you're not placing a demand on it. And so how do you begin to put a bigger demand on the uh, fountain of God, the unlimited, that's what the grace of God is, the unlimited fountain of prosperity? How do you begin to place a bigger demand on it? You do it by starting to think of others, plenty to share with others. Uh, beyond your mortgage, God will take care of that. Beyond your car uh, deal, God will take care of that. You ought to start thinking, man, this term, I want to pay for some three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten students, school fees at Caris Bible College. Amen. Just a few amens, just, you know, a few ones. It's like... In fact, this one is for the very person who's saying, Pastor T, I need school fees for myself. You ought to start thinking this way. If you're going to get school fees for yourself, you start thinking of paying school fees for somebody else. See, <laughs> the reason why you can't even get to have school fees for yourself is you, you're thinking way too small. You're standing at the fountain with a little tiny little bit cup. Lord, all I want is a tot. <laughs> That's all I want. And the Lord is saying, man, you should have brought something bigger. Amen? Amen? So we have to change our thinking. We have to be obsessed with the destination of being a blessing. Someone called me uh, this week. They said, hey, Pastor T, my car just broke down. And immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, help them. And I said, yes, sir. And I sent them uh, uh, whatever amount they needed to fix the car. Uh, the cool thing about being prospered by God and being uh, uh, at this place that we are talking about, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 9, is that God will give you, if you continue reading this verse, he says God will give you the seed if you are a sower. He says God ministers seed to the sower. God gives seed to people who are givers. 
So all you have to do for you to receive that seed is to change your heart and move from consumption to being a sower. And when you do that, it says God ministers seed to the sower. If you haven't been getting seed, it's because you haven't decided to become a sower. Someone shout, I'm a sower. What that means is you are a giver. And it starts right where you are. Man, I'm not talking about an event. I'm not talking about, you know, the anointing is here. It's ready and this is the only time you ought to be a giver. No, I'm talking about a lifestyle. After church today, if you go out for lunch with your friends, you ought to be the one taking the bill. Oh yeah, just a few amens over, over there, over there. Everybody else is, no, I forgot my wallet. I'll catch you next time. That's a poverty mindset. Because what you're saying is, I don't have enough. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you say you don't have enough, you're right. But the one who has little, but they say, hey, I'm going to take the bill. They are saying, man, I've got more than enough. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's a mindset. Amen? I said amen. And so we see here that, that the, 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 the destination has to be, uh, I want to be a blessing. We usually say, share this illustration, and it does uh, what I'm talking about, justice. And the reason why we repeat some of these illustrations is because, first of all, you know, half the church is sleeping when, you know, we're sharing this, this illust- <laughs> these illustrations, right? And second of all, uh, uh, we always have new people, right, that, that haven't seen it before, so I'm going to... Uh, Uh, indulge those of you who know the illustration to be gracious enough for the new person to also hear it. Praise God. So the destination is what? To be a blessing. So if you are flying to destination, be a blessing, and you're flying first class, you're going to get to the airport, right? And we say you're flying what? First class. First class. Praise the Lord for first class. If you're flying first class, you're going to get to the airport, board the plane. Let me see if I can... This is the plane. Wings. <laughs> Let's put uh, propellers here. This thing is going to fly. It's a shock. Man, okay, let's put the windows. It will change. Uh. See, it's got windows. See, you, you're going to board the plane, right? First class. We said first class. So you're somewhere in the front here. And they close the curtains here so that the people here don't see what's happening in the first class. So you're in the first class. And what usually happens in the first class, I saw this on YouTube, is that, you know, there's goodness in first class. Uh, You get pajamas. You get a real menu with real food. uh, You get cutlery, silver cutlery. uh, You get showers. You get Wi-Fi. This is the good life. How many of you agree? This is the good life. First class is the good life. But how many of you know that it doesn't matter how good it gets up here, that's not the reason why you bought the ticket. The reason you bought the ticket is to get to destination, be a blessing. And similarly, when he says uh, 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 God will uh, 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 meet all your needs, God will provide all you need, that's up here. You take care of your mortgage. You take care of your car payment. But don't get obsessed with being up here. Get obsessed with being down here. 
Because the real goal and destination for prosperity is to be a blessing. How many times in a week do you at least try to be a blessing? That's going to show you whether you are a sower or an eater. Man, try to be a blessing. Amen? At work, you're getting coffee, right? Someone else walks up, hey, I want to get you a coffee. That's 30 bucks. It's 30 bucks monetarily, but it's gold. It's diamond in terms of training the way you think. The reason why I always want to take the bill is because I'm working on something. I'm working on me. I'm working on my heart. You see, the, some of my friends don't get it. So they like to go out with me because that fool is going to take the bill. They don't know I'm working on something. Yeah, that fool is going to get the bill. Man, I'm working on something. I'm working on something big, so I've got to work on my heart. I want to get to destination, be a blessing. I want to get to destination, be a blessing in the billions. But I can't do that being phased by uh, a 200 rand meal. So they think I'm a fool, but I'm working on something. Man, I always try to work on, on me. I'm always working on me. You know, uh, 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 usually I haven't flown business yet, but I'm working on flying business. And so what I usually do is uh, when I go travel a long distance, I always like to stand right behind business. You know where business ends before they say, now you can come, Bombela, now, now everybody. <laughs> I like to stand right behind those boys, those business class boys, right behind them. And I'm working on something. Everybody else is sitting, lounging, and doing their own thing. I'm working on something. I'm working on my heart. I'm, 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 I'm preparing me for my future, for where I'm going. And some of you think it's foolishness, but you hide and watch. Amen? <laughs> Amen? Amen? And so when God says give, it's not because God wants you to just bring money to the church. When God says give, it's because God wants you to position your heart under an open heaven. God wants you to position your heart with a bigger capacity on that fountain where the grace of provision flows. And you can't do it just, you know, carrying a teaspoon. And what do I mean by a teaspoon? If it's all about just you, just, you know, all about me, I just want to... You know, me, if I can get my needs met, then I'm good. If it's all about you, man, you are limiting how much grace of prosperity is going to flow into your life. And here's the good news about what I'm preaching today is that you can start right where you are. Because it says God ministers seed to the soul. You can get home and write it down somewhere where you can see it. And say next month, next term, those of you who are students... Say, next term, I'm going to pay for my fees, but two other people. See, that's going to make you shake. Yeah, ooh, two other people, bastard. Ooh, I'm not sure I'll be able to do that. Position your heart for that and become a soul. I'm talking about have a sincere heart. Be genuine about it. Position yourself and say, man, I'm going to be the one that's going to you know, pay for 5, 10, 15. I'm going to send people to, to, to school. I'm going to do all these things. I'm, I, I want to be the one that does all these things and be sincere in your heart. I'm telling you, the word of God is true. It says he gives seed to the sower. Sowers always get the seed. 
And when they sow it, they always get the harvest so that they can sow some more. And it becomes a lifestyle. Can I get an amen? amen? Quickly, let's go to Proverbs chapter number 11, verse 24. We're going to wrap it up there. Is this helping you? Man, let me show you something else. Let me show you something else that's going to bless you. If you go uh, with me to uh, Genesis chapter number 1, verse 29. Genesis chapter number 1, verse 29. And then we'll go to Proverbs eleven twenty-four to 25. Let me read Genesis uh, chapter number 1, verse 29 in the King James Bible, if you don't mind. Genesis chapter number 1, 29. Watch what he said. It says, uh, this is after God had told them, you know, prosper, uh, uh, you know, reproduce, uh, subdue the earth, and so on and so forth. God then said to uh, uh, Adam and Eve, he said, behold, God said, behold, if you read in the original King James Bible, he says, and God said, look, God wants them to take notice of something, okay? And so God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing what? Seed. He said, I've given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the, uh, which is the fruit of a tree yielding what? Seed. So God wants them to take notice of something called yielding seed and bearing seed. God wants them to take note of that. Why does God want them to take note of that? He wants them to take note of that because it is in seed uh, that God guarantees your future. You know, I used to always wonder uh, growing up why God, whoever created the fruit, the avocado, uh, 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 found it, you know, worthy to put a little brown bowl on the middle of the fruit. I used to always wonder, what's up with that? Why inconvenience me? I could have peeled the whole thing and just ate the whole thing. But the reason why God put a little brown bowl on the middle of the avocado is he just doesn't want to feed you for a day. Amen? He, he, he just doesn't want to uh, give you the, the fruit, avocado. He also wants to give you the tree. Not just the tree. He wants to give you the orchard. He wants you to own a, a, a farm of avocado so that you can feed the nations. Amen? And God is giving you something in that little brown bowl. He's giving you something uh, uh, that is God-level technology. You know, one of the things that mankind have not been able to do with all our high-tech and uh, all our technology, one thing mankind haven't been able to do is to create something and put seed in it. That's one thing we haven't been able to do. You can't go to a BMW dealership and buy a, a three-series female and a three-series three male and take them home and wish that they're going to produce little three-series. It's not going to happen, right? It would have been awesome to buy an iPad from the iStore, and then as you get home, it lays eggs so that it can produce other little iPads. No, mankind have not been able to create anything and put seed in it. You know why? Because seed technology only belongs to the God class. 
And so when God says you can turn your finances to seed, it's not something to be taken lightly. Because God just upgraded your operation to the God class kind of operation. Amen? When the Apostle Paul says your finances can be turned into seed, that is something to behold. Because now you're operating at a high class. Amen? I said amen. And so Proverbs 11, verse 24 to 25, this is what it says. It says there is he that scatters. We're talking about seed, right? Your finances is seed. When you give, you are sowing. And it says there is he that scatters, yet increases. There is he that scatters. That's a word picture of he that gives liberally. That's this word right there, scatter. You know, the farmer would walk into their field with a bag of seed and just dip and get as much seed as they can and just scatter across the field because they were looking forward to the harvest that's coming in the future. He says there is he that scatters or there is he that gives, yet increases. And then there is he that withholds more than his meat, but it leads to poverty. You know why? Because you can't receive with a closed fist. Verse 25. The liberal soul shall be made fat or prosperous. And he that waters shall be watered also himself. He that gives, they shall also receive. Givers will never struggle. Because God will always find someone to give to them. That's just how it works. Givers will never struggle. One of the things uh, Chip and I made a decision a long time ago as we were launching out into the ministry was that, you know, our house was going to be open for, you know, people who are traveling for the ministry. They want to come and stay uh, at our house for a few days. It was going to be open uh, uh, for that, you know. And so because of that, uh, I can tell you truthfully that we've never been stranded in any city in the world. People open up their homes uh, to us. Uh, people, literally, people will break, bend backwards just to try and accommodate us. Why? Because he who waters others shall be watered themselves. It's an attitude thing. Amen? I said, amen. Uh, our mentor, you know, for many, many years, he would come and stay with us, and we would give him our cars to use, whichever one you want, man. Just pick, and we're going to use the bus and bless him uh, with the car. And, and because of that, we've never been stranded for a car anywhere in the world. The last time we were in Los Angeles, uh, someone gave us a Porsche, the kind of car I would never drive as a pastor in Joburg. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to be in the newspaper. Someone gave it to us, took a picture. They found out, we were, in fact, this is how it happened, true story. They just found out through their daughter, Mignonette, that, you know, uh, Tafara and Chipo are coming to Los Angeles, and they just sent me a picture. They said, oh, there is the car you're going to be using. And I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> I said, honey, come and look at this. It's a Porsche. Oh, in the year before, the same person had done the same thing. Uh, they found out we were coming to Los Angeles, and they said, hey, here's a car. So if you ever see pictures of us anywhere in a drop top, it's not us. 
It's not ours. Don't be writing stories about us, okay? That's somebody else's car that they blessed us with. But how, how, how did that happen? He who waters others shall be watered themselves. That's how the system works. Amen? Man, it's a hard thing. And so the first principle we learned today is when you position your heart to be a giver, you open up your, your heart to receive and to maximize on that grace of prosperity. Why don't you stand on your feet? Did that help you? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. sound please thank you Jesus you know in the first service we said uh, a, a few um, prosperity confessions and I'd love for us to say it uh, together again um, in this service someone say in Christ I am already blessed Jesus became poor so that I could become rich God has already generously provided for me not only for my own needs, but so that I can have plenty left over to share with others. Someone say, God delights in my prosperity. Therefore, I refuse lack and poverty in my life. I refuse to have a scarcity mentality. I have an abundance mentality. I am always thinking about bigger ways to be a blessing to others. Someone say, I live to give. God gives seed to the sower. Therefore, in every season of my life, I have seed to give. Someone say, I am blessed. Come on, someone with some attitude. You need to say this over yourself. Someone say, I am blessed. I am prosperous. Someone say, I am blessed in this city. I am blessed in this country. My bank account is blessed. My business is blessed. My ministry is blessed. My um, career is blessed. <laughs> Say, I am a blessing to my family. I am a blessing to my church. I am a blessing to the community. And I am a blessing to the world. Oh, come on. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this grace of prosperity. Father, we thank you that Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, he became so very poor so that we could become so very rich. Father, we thank you that we are blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. Father, we thank you for your word today that has enlarged our capacity to seek and pursue ways to be an even bigger,
bigger blessing, not only to our families, not only to our churches, not only to our communities, but to this world. Father, we thank you that from today, we choose to be a blessing, that from today, we choose to live to give. Father, we thank you for making every grace, every favor abound to us so that we may always have an abundance to give to others. And Father, we thank you that the biggest way in which we can be a blessing is giving to the preaching of this glorious gospel. So Father, we thank you for multiplying every seed that is sown in this house. We thank you that every single person under the sound of my voice will have plenty, not only to meet their own needs, but plenty, plenty, plenty to be a blessing to others, to give to the preaching of the gospel. Father, we thank you for doing it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we all say amen and amen. Man, isn't God so good? He's a good father. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who